And over to England we go next in London. They've got some privacy experts concerned over there as they have announced the city has that they will be utilizing facial recognition software in public places to try to help combat crime within the city. Now, according to some, these cameras pose a threat to personal privacy, and that has places all around the world worrying about whether or not that practice could be coming to their city. Let's welcome in our cybersecurity expert, David Shipley, for more on this. He joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. David, good afternoon. Happy Monday. Good afternoon. Just first off, uh, how does this uh, differ from what is in uh, London uh, right now? They, of course, famously have these CCTV cameras uh, everywhere. They're, I think, one of the most, if not the most, surveilled city uh, in the world. So uh, facial recognition, how does this differ from what's going on there right now? So the difference is this idea of artificial intelligence using uh, its recognition live in real time, making determinations of whether or not you are a criminal. And so far, the trials have been spectacular failures, and they've had as much as an 81% error rate, and that was in the best tests they did. In other tests, they only had 3 to 5% success rates. That is, the AI correctly identified that the person it thought was a criminal was a criminal, and this could have huge consequences on individual freedoms uh, and our sense of safety in public spaces. So how does it technically work? What's the technology at play here? They're going to take someone's uh, face and they're going to match it to a database of, uh, I don't know, driver's license photos or something? Well, and this is where it gets Orwellian. They, depending on the company or, or technologies you're using, you don't know where they gain these photos. For example, a company is gaining notoriety uh, in the public space in the United States called Clearview. They say they've collected 3 billion photos of individuals from social media and other sites, and they've accurately identified who they are, and so they will use that data set against the live video recognition and basically an algorithm that turns your face into a mathematical equation and how closely that equation matches is what they see. So um, it is the cutting edge of technology, and we've seen facial recognition emerging in more and more areas, but this is the bleeding edge of it. And for certain groups, particularly uh, those who have a, vi- a visible minority and women who are visible minorities, the error rates on these systems are astounding and could have significant impacts um, and perpetuate biases, prejudice, and racism. And uh, how uh, concerning is this when it comes to proving, you know, your guilt and or innocence in a court of law? Because if you've got uh, AI and facial recognition technology saying that uh, you are the person in this video committing uh, this crime, that it would seem to me to be to a judge or jury fairly damning information. Yeah, I mean, that, that is one, one concern. My near-term concern with live facial recognition is police acting on this information erroneously. Let's just say, for example, that I'm a member of a, a visible minority. An officer sees me on this video. The AI says I am actually a dangerous criminal uh, wanted for firearms offenses, and they respond with the kind of caution and approach that that, that kind of uh, information would trigger in police officers, and it results in a deadly confrontation. I mean, that's the concern in real live, um, real-time decisions with facial recognition that we have to be cognizant of. And, and obviously, in the era we live in, where we know that uh, with movements like Black Lives Matter, this is still a fairly significant issue for a, a significant portion of our population. Uh, this could have public safety issues in real time, let alone in the courtroom later on. 
And I guess the big picture question of moving forward is, is this just a, a bit of a stumbling block and a hurdle that, uh, you know, this is kind of the first iteration of this uh, technology. And as we know, with technology, it's not always perfect uh, out of the gate, but eventually they'll, they'll get there and there will be less, I guess, uh, false uh, positives. Uh, I guess what I'm asking is, David, is this eventually going to be the wave of the future? I, I don't think so. I think we have to draw some lines about what we're willing to tolerate for um, safety versus freedom. Um, and we've seen jurisdictions in California ban facial recognition AI-based software, um, not just because of the error rate in the AI or the technology being imperfect, but because of the value that it represents within their community. Um, do we really want to step into the Orwellian police state? Is this really the kind of society you want to live in? I mean, you know, the society that's fully implemented this is communist China, and it's what they're using in their persecution of the Uyghur Muslim minority. I don't know if I I sign on for that in downtown Toronto. I don't think that speaks to the kind of values we want to have in Canada where we're under constant police surveillance. I don't think our current risk landscape warrants that. All right, so if this is so problematic, then why is London adopting this? Uh, Why are they moving forward? Why are they going forward with with this? Is it just an easy solution or an easy quote-unquote fix for a politicians to uh, reach for uh, at a time when, uh, you know, a vast majority of us are concerned about escalating violence? Well, certainly on the policing side, it has a national, uh, sort of national gravitational appeal. When you've already put CCTV cameras everywhere, the next logical step is, well, we can't watch all this footage. We can't do it. We'll never have enough police officers. Let's get the computers to help us. And the, the intent is not bad. I don't think the police are bad for wanting better tools to catch more criminals faster with the resources they have. I totally get why they want to do this. But what they lose in that process is is um, what it means as a society to live under those conditions. Do we want to live in a police state or not? Because this is a giant technological leap forward to the kind of world I don't think we want to live in. Yeah, and is it uh, the case of a slippery slope that, uh, you know, they've had all these CCTV cameras installed in London for some time now, the populace has got used to that, and this is the next step uh, in the evolution, and they're a little more uh, agreeable uh, to it or susceptible to it than others might be? Well, I think yes, and it's probably shaped by what all of the things that have happened in London. If you think back to the troubles and the and the the violence coming out of of the Irish conflict, if we think back to modern times and terrorist incidents and, and other crimes that come with large urban areas, you can understand the safety rationale for this. And I'm, I'm not anti-surveillance camera. What I am anti is real-time access to police using it for safety reasons. And I think that judges should be involved so that you can capture this data, and if you can get a warrant showing a judge you need to get this video footage to pursue a crime, then there's judicial due process. But it's not willy-nilly, and it's not um, causing us to live necessarily in an AI-enforced police state. All right. We'll leave it there for now. Our cybersecurity expert, David Shipley, with us on this Monday afternoon. David, appreciate the time as always. You're always welcome.